Hello, I'm Amy Stevenson, and this is The Human CEO. In each episode, we'll be meeting with CEOs and senior leaders to understand their approach to leadership, the challenges they faced, and how they overcame them. We'll also be asking what they feel it takes to be a great leader. If you're going to do it, throw yourself at it. Yeah. You can't be a leader from a distance, and you can't be a leader from behind a computer, and you can't be a leader that wants to work two days a week. You need to be working harder than the rest of your team. You need to be leading from the front and you need to be ingratiating a team around you who want to work for you. Welcome to The Human CEO. I'm your host, Amy Stevenson, and today I'm joined by Rob Hattersley. Rob started out as a chef before progressing through the ranks to front of house management. Rob has 20 years experience under his belt within the hospitality industry and has managed restaurants, bars and kitchen operations all over the UK. Rob's now the Managing Director of Longbow Bars and Restaurants, a group of hotels and restaurants nestled in the heart of the Peak District. Rob joins us today to share his insight as a leader and a human CEO. Thank you for joining us today, Rob. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, great to meet you. Brilliant. So can you tell us a little bit about your organisation, what it stands for and what you're hoping to achieve, please? Uh, so Longbow is, is my company. Um, I set it up in 2019. Um, and the reason the reason for it is it's it's a it's a project of passion. Okay. Um, I worked for I've worked for independents, I worked for PLCs, I worked for multi um, international companies, mm-hmm. and and what I realised is actually I was working for a lot of people that never appreciated the work that I did. Um, okay. I was fed up of being a number. I was mm-hmm. fed up of achieving and always being um i've been general manager of the year i had um been the biggest site hit the biggest sales records and uh, the most profitable company but at the end of the day it was never enough okay um, so it was to get out to put the earnings i'd made by um by being successful into my own business where i would never be penalized on margins and mm-hmm. um, do what i'm passionate about and um and make and do something that I really want to do as opposed to being told the nitty gritty by people, quite frankly, I did not believe knew as much as I knew myself. Okay. That's good for you. Good for you. And so what does the organization look like now? Obviously you've weathered so, the storm. So yeah, so it's, it's been turbulent. Um, mm-hmm. We opened, uh, opened the first site at the Maynard in January, 2020. Yep. Which looks fantastic by the way. Oh, thank you very much. Um, so we opened with 10 bedrooms. We put mm-hmm. on two more and then first lockdown hit six weeks into opening. Um, so went through, did, did the takeaways, kept online with all marketing, mm-hmm. and really tried to create a, a talent pool um, yeah. with, with people and really, and really sort of enhance the marketing from there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we went and redid all the bedrooms. We looked at modernising areas we hadn't done already. Um, got hands dirty. Never painted so much in my life. <laughs> um, obviously, it opened after the first lockdown, and mm-hmm. it was fantastic. We had a Brilliant. great, great summer. Great four months. We're in the middle of the Peak District, so yep. um, one of the most visited areas in the UK, and yep. it was um, we, we we couldn't have been happier. So decided to put on another seven bedrooms which happened just as lockdown two started so okay carried on doing that and it was i'm not gonna lie it was dicey we had to really look at cash flow and yeah i had many sleepless nights um i can imagine but things started um picking up we started doing zoom uh show rounds for weddings 
We then looked at kind of how we marketed events and really started getting income coming in that sense. And just before we opened the inside to the Maynard in May mm-hmm. at, on the second venue. Wow. Good so, uh, so that's, uh, so we took that on at the beginning of June yeah. and that is opening um, in September. Fantastic. Is that in the same area? Same location? So that's in the Peak District as well. So mm-hmm. it's two miles away from the Maynard. Yep. And um, yeah, really looking forward to that actually. It's going to be a real, real different, different venue, still very premium, mm-hmm. uh, local suppliers, same ethos, um, but a bit of a different spin. So we're taking that into being a, a premium coaching in. It's got 24 bedrooms, a uh, large bar restaurant. Yeah. So, Fantastic. Yeah. Brilliant. All and good. so as a leader, and, and congratulations, by the way, for weathering that storm, because that not everybody has been quite so lucky in your industry have they so congratulations on that but in terms of being a leader of that type of organization having just come through what you've just come through what what kind of challenges are you up against now it's the uncertainty mm-hmm. is the is the problem now and it's um covid and pinging and yeah. um pandemic as mm-hmm. it's now known um and knowing how to manage the teams and how to keep staff um, wearing what they're doing in terms of our risk assessment to protect the business. Um, yeah. We've had two cases of COVID within the staff. Luckily, because of face mask distancing, shift, ro- uh, shift rotors, mm-hmm. we've been able to keep the business open um, and only had to isolate the few. Obviously, that then puts more pressure on the rest of the team as well. Yeah, so it's, it's just about keeping motivation, keeping the enthusiasm, the positivity, but at the same time, making sure everyone aware, is aware of their duties mm-hmm. and what they have to do from a safety perspective. Okay. And, and how have you done that? Is, that? is it as simple as communication or are there other facets to that within your experience? It's, it's communication, it's constant reinforcement, and it's making sure that from, from the general managers down to the the pot washers mm-hmm. that everyone is as responsible as everyone else to make sure that everyone is following suit everyone's got their masks on everyone's sanitizing socially distancing and and therefore in actual fact what they're doing is the present preventing the business from closing mm-hmm. um, i think when you kind of put it into perspective with them and making them know it's either well if everyone does their thing um it's a case of you getting statutory sick pay mm-hmm for 10 days or you get your full pay and i think yeah. i think with everyone being off because of covid i think everyone's happy to to do their thing to keep the business alive and keep yeah. it going yeah i suppose when you apply the context in that way it makes more sense doesn't it it is and it's not it's not fair on them it isn't mm-hmm. fair and we've got to look after their their livelihoods as well as the the business as well because Absolutely. there is no no further financial support available yeah 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 and um, with regards to your journey into leadership then how did that happen was it quite organic it sounds as though you found an industry that you were really passionate about clearly very capable in was it as simple as that in terms of your journey to leadership um it was i say simple (laughs) no it's never simple i knew from my parents owned a restaurant uh, Mm -hmm. in the peak district and i knew from a very very early age that's what i wanted to do they tried to put me off it and okay so I started pot washing at the age of 14. I was a yeah. chef by 16. Um, I, was running, I was working as a chef out in France when I was 18. Uh-huh. And I'd gone through university. And it, to be honest, hospitality has always been my number one passion. Okay. Um, 
I've always just thrown myself into it. And once I've finished a challenge, I've always wanted to move on to the next one. So mm-hmm. I joined um, Pitcher and Piano Graduate Scheme when I uh, when I first left university and I was an assistant manager for five months, deputy manager of my first site for about another six months. And I kept progressing and wanting, I was hungry for that next mm-hmm. that next move. Um, and it was good because I learned from a lot of different managers. I had a lot of external training as well because they, they had a really good management training scheme. Yeah. Um, and then I threw my hand at late night um, operator in Newcastle. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at a huge, huge venue there, um, 125 staff was looking after, um, which actually wasn't for me. I didn't think getting in at five, six in the morning was uh, my thing. Yeah. And decided to go and work on cruise liners for two years. Okay. Okay. Um, From there, I came back and I was running a venue in Nottingham, looking after other sites as well in the company. And and I think the big thing for me is I just love to learn. I love to learn new things. I love to... Mm -hmm look at what I'm doing. And and actually, I think the big thing is about reassessing what you do as a manager, okay. how you've got results. And, and the big thing for me that really kind of helped me was when my, um, when my MD came to see me one day and I was having a bit of a nightmare with staff and he really kind of put things into perspective of mm-hmm. you're only as, as big as your team. And, and from that moment on, my whole ethos changed and yeah. it wasn't about the business, but it was about the team. And that is always, always my number one priority. Okay. And even now, my the word I use most is culture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's and and that that sort of where where I've been lucky is I've I've managed to groom a great great team of people that have carried me through through the years. Yeah. And when I've moved on to those bigger sites, it was no more of a challenge because I've got all people in places that make it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, in actual fact, running a larger site can be a lot easier than running a smaller site. Okay. Um, and then when I handed in my notice at my last venue, um, all my senior team asked to come with me. <laughs> so <laughs> I wasn't particularly popular with my old company. But, uh, I can imagine, I can imagine. But you must have been getting something right for them to want to go with you. Yeah, and, and the great thing was, is I started my own venture and I started my own company mm. with people that had my views, my values, knew my vision um, knew what, how I worked and was were able to instill that culture into the team coming in. Okay. And now we've got that second site. It's a bit of a rejig um, to make sure that culture spreads. Yeah. So that actually that's passed down onto that next that next site as well. Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of how you define a great leader, are there certain characteristics that you think leaders need to have, or um, is it case by case? Case by case, but I think the ultimate thing for me is vision. Okay. Vision and passion. I think a leader needs to know where they're going. Mm-hmm. I mean, a, lead, a leader needs to look and say, that's where I'm going. This is how I'm going to get there. Mm-hmm. And making sure that vision is then transcended through the rest of the team. Okay. And even if they're not giving it to the people at the very bottom, mm-hmm. the people, senior management, mid-management, junior management, are passing all that message down uh, right through. And it's that passion and instilling that passion mm-hmm. and everyone else knowing how passionate you are, how hard you are working towards that goal, that they will do the same for you as well. Yeah, fantastic. And so you, you may have alluded to this already in your previous answers, but was there an experience or a piece of advice that you were given in the past that shaped your, your leadership style? 
I, I think it was from my old managing director and okay. it's, it's someone that I I still am very fond of and still look up to with the most admiration and respect mm-hmm. and and it he it's about realizing actually that day changed my life okay. and it changed all my all my views on how to do things and I realized actually I can't make those changes myself and that everything has to be done through the people around me okay. and yeah it yeah completely changed my way of thinking and uh I, this was I was I was probably about 26 27 back then so it was a, a while ago but it, it still resonates strong today and I still get that advice out constantly fantastic and is there a piece of advice then that you would offer to someone that was either looking to follow in your footsteps or about to take a step up into a leadership position? I would say have that vision, have that passion and create that team around you. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're the only things I would say. And and if you're going to do it, throw yourself at it. Yeah. It, you, you can't be a leader from a distance and you can't be a leader from behind a computer and you can't be a leader that wants to work two days a week. Okay. You need to be working harder than the rest of your team. You need to be leading from the front and you need to be ingratiating a team around you who want to work for you. Okay. And are the steps that you took to to do that, to align your team with those those visions? I think it happened naturally. Okay. I think it's always happened. I've been blessed by having good people, but it's you invest in those people. You, I will... I, no matter what happens, which day of the week, no matter how busy I am, I always like to have 15 minutes with a member of staff. Yeah. And it could be a member of staff from a commie chef to a junior waiter mm-hmm. to my general manager uh, or my, my ops manager. It's yeah. 15 minutes of me giving my time to them to, to go through a process, a situation, how they can be better. And, and actually, I think that means a lot to people. And, and it's not just mean a lot to that person, but it can create that culture around so people will understand what you've, what you've done as a manager as a whole mm-hmm. and how you're sort of creating that, that environment where people actually look up to and admire, admire you. It's, it's, it's a two-way thing. You're giving that advice, but actually it's, more, it's far more important for that member, that employee than it is to yourself from from a being heard perspective being heard and actually having someone at, at the top coming and spending that time with you okay okay i think okay. When, i think you've got an organization of 80 people mm-hmm. you've got the uh, the, um, the managing director will come and invest that time with you no yes. matter who you are in the business that means a lot to people okay Fantastic. And when you think about a leader that you admire, past or present, does any one person spring to mind or two people? Yeah, it's, it's Tim Bacon, who, okay. was, who was the, um, the founder and CEO of Living Ventures. So started off the living room mm-hmm. um, and then moved into, obviously, um, Australasia and um, the alchemist, botanist. Uh, he was... He was incredible, and he 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 was an investor in people as well. Okay. Um, and the way he revolutionised the whole of hospitality, um, I, there's been no one else like it. Okay. And is is that someone that you you sort of identify and try and replicate some of their ways of doing things, or is that someone who? I think, 
I think you pick things up from people constantly. Mm. You look at what other people are doing. Um, I try and go out for food at least twice a week. Um, I like to see what other venues are doing, what they're doing yeah. with the staff, look at the team. Uh, I, I try and speak to the staff as well. Mm. Not n- never trying to poach them, Yeah. Um, but always just to see how they're doing, how they're enjoying it, uh, how are they trained, um, looking at kind of the way other, pe- other operators operate. And, and I think with Tim Bacon, he really kind of took from the ground of training, um, induction, employing the right people mm-hmm. and and sort of putting in a certain standard of service that's never been there before, but putting the onus back onto the staff and rewarding the staff from it. Mm-hmm. I think I think he was revolutionary in that sense. Fantastic. Okay, brilliant. And and so what's next for Longbow? What's going to be happening over the next six, 12 months? Um, so obviously we're opening the George, which is really exciting. Um, we're looking at uh, just keep growing the Maynard, mm-hmm. uh, how we're going to do that. And then I think when when, we, when we're happy, we'll, we'll look at when, when there might be elsewhere. Um, but until then, we're going to just keep building the team, mm-hmm. keep rewarding the team and, and making sure that actually... Uh, they're happy, they're content, they're good. Makes my life less stress. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And and therefore, actually, when we're ready to open site number three, mm-hmm. we've got a team ready to go in there. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic. So, opening the George. When when's that due to happen? Uh, September. September. Okay, and then yeah. and then watch this space for any other venues. Yes, yeah, so there's a quarter million pound investment going into the George. Um, fantastic. So that'll be a that'll be a great great spot. So really looking forward to that one. Brilliant. And where's that located if people want to come and find it in September? So that's in Hathersage in the Peak District. Oh, nice. Lovely. Just being voted the number one um, village of the Peak District visitor. Yes. Yes. Lovely. I was swimming there the other week. Oh, wow. <laughs> Lovely part of the world. Lovely part of the world. Oh, great. Brilliant. Well, that was, I look forward to keeping up and um, and seeing the progress. But thank you for joining us, Rob. It's been brilliant speaking with you. No, thank it. you very much. Really appreciate it. <laughs>